Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pop Cult X, your go-to for all things pop culture from a Gen X point of view. I'm Danny, and along with Gabriel, we're here to chat with you about said pop culture. <laughs> um, when we're recording this, it's the day after um, Independence Day, so everyone out there, hope you had a happy and safe Fourth of July if you celebrate it here in the United States. Uh, did you do anything fun, Gabe? Um, I actually went to go play bingo like the old person that I am. <laughs> but it was actually pretty fun. Like I, it, it was the first time that I've played bingo probably in, in many, many years. And uh, someone, I didn't win, but someone that was there won $15,000. So oh, wow. I didn't know that you could win that much playing bingo. Wow. So I don't I know, I might be a bingo player now. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of places up here that always offer bingo, you know, say bingo here, bingo there. I've always like, yeah, I don't feel like sitting there doing that, but $15,000 might change my tune. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty fun. It was, you know, I went with some friends and and it was um all electronic, so you're not there like pushing the little uh, okay, electronic on a screen and it mm-hmm. basically does everything for you. It it gives you a little bell when you're one away from bingo and then when you do get bingo, it tells you. So it does all the work for you. So really <laughs> You're just there. It's almost like a slot machine where you're just seeing stuff <laughs> go. And uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's something different for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have plans to go see any fireworks or or do any barbecues or anything like that for Fourth of July. So it was a nice um, change of pace for us. Let's say that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I there was plenty of fireworks all over my house, not in my house, but around. <laughs> it felt like a I was in a war zone. Not to belittle anything that's happening around the world, but it did feel that way. Uh, And it just kept going on and on into the wee hours of the morning. My poor dogs were just, you know, beside themselves. Um, So people out there, make it a cutoff time, like 11 or something like that. You don't have to be launching fireworks at 2 in the morning. Um, But it was school night. Like, you have to go to work the next day. Like, it's... Doesn't matter, I guess. I'm so beyond Gen X. Like, (laughs) to say that, I'm such an old man. (laughs) Well, speaking of old man, I watched a movie for the first time in its entirety last night that I hadn't seen before. The movie came out in 1975. And it's a, you know, a little shark thriller you might have heard of called Jaws. And it was really good. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I've seen bits and pieces, you know, and especially iconic moments um, where Rob Schneider's like chumming the water and we see the first appearance of Jaws head and he like gets startled back. You know, I've seen that. I've seen, you know, we're going to need a bigger boat and all the main moments, but I'd never sat down and watched it in its entirety until last night. And Steven Spielberg. Well done. Yeah, I'm actually really surprised you've never fully watched it because it is such a classic. It mm-hmm. it is a classic horror film movie. It's kind of created the whole genre of like animal horror where you know you had Jaws or Orca or Piranhas mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Um, and I think it's single-handedly responsible for like creating shark phobia for so many people. Yeah, people I think so. Water, um, and being eaten by a giant shark. Um, but it's such a classic movie. I agree with you. It uh, hats off to Steven Spielberg. I would probably say that it's probably one of his best films. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to say that it's better than like Schindler's List or anything like that, but um, it's definitely up there in the top five of his best films for sure. Yeah, most definitely. I completely agree with that. And it just, it, I don't know, it caught me 
off guard a little bit by how well done it was. I mean, you think today's music movies, right. And how heavily CGI they are and how heavily um, leaning they filmmakers are on that technology. But to realize that he didn't have that back then, it was all practical effects. It was all um, working with the technology of the time and it just holds up. It really does. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a great film. It's definitely a, a like I said, a classic. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, so this was comic book Wednesday today because we're recording on a Wednesday out there. Uh, I picked up a fun book and it is the latest Daredevil, the Sardaski number 13, um, which is sadly that he's coming to an end for his run on Daredevil. I'm a big fan of Chip Sardaski's work. Um, I followed him across all of his independent work, Newburn, Public Domain, and of course his Daredevil um, and Batman. He's written Batman too for a while. Um, anything you pick up at the store today? Um, I did. I picked up. Uh, what did I pick up? I picked up uh, Disney Villains Maleficent. Um, I, I don't that. know if you've seen that. I, I picked that up. I picked up uh, the Spider Verse uh, new issue of that. I think it's issue number four. Um, I picked up. What else did I pick? There was like four or five comics that I picked up. Those are the top ones that are coming to my head. Um, oh, Daredevil and Echo number two, I picked up. Um, and which cover did you get? I got the variant cover. One and of I the picked, covers. I picked up the David Mack variant cover. Uh, that was really yeah, cool. that's the one I got. Yeah, yeah, it was really I, nice. It, it's such a standout. I mean, mm -hmm. I had to get just for that that particular cover itself is a really amazing job of of that. Um, and then I also ordered off of eBay um, Storm number two, the Maria Wolf there. <laughs> I cannot find it anywhere. <laughs> anywhere so I had to uh, go to my fellow nerds online to help me out and uh, buy one of their copies from one of them. So, And I'll probably be joining you later on this month in eBay for the Daredevil Echo Maria Wolf variant cover as well, because I think it's going to be hard to come by. Yeah. Yeah. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I'll be able to find it, but... Uh, if not, there's always eBay, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also picked up a, a back issue, and it's by um, an author or a writer that I'm really excited to announce that will be joining us momentarily. And I picked up um, Magnificent Mrs. Marvel, of course, by Saladin Ahmed. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, I think we just get right into it, right? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pop Cult X Little Talk. Tonight or today or whenever you're watching this on the internet, we are joined by an Eisner award-winning comic book writer who's written such icons as like Miles Morales, Black Bolt, um, The Magnificent Miss Marvel, and um, a, a number, a couple of novels, his poetry. Um, we are joined, honored to be joined by Saladin Ahmed. So Saladin, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us here at Pop Cult X. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So um, the first thing that really intrigued me when I started reading some of your work was um, you have a very unique voice, I think, in comic book writing, at least to me, from what I got from it. So um, take us back a little bit, if you don't mind. Where did this passion for storytelling come from? Yeah, I mean, it goes it goes way back for me. I mean, I'm <clears throat> pretty uh, recent to comics uh, as a practitioner, but, uh, you know, I've been reading comics my whole life. That was a... Uh, okay. A lot of what taught me how to read was reading, uh, uh, particularly Marvel comics. And, 
you know, I was, um, I'm from a sort of immigrant, uh, working class enclave near Detroit. And, uh, it wasn't necessarily the best formal schooling, but, uh, but my dad was like a big, um, reading geek, even though he was sort of mostly self-educated. Um, uh, he was always had like science fiction, fantasy stuff around it and also comics, you know, um, mm-hmm. not only like, uh, some superhero stuff, but like, you know, this is back in the eighties. So like early black and white stuff, like, you know, I, I, I remember getting the first like Ninja Turtles issue oh, nice. before it ever cartoon or anything like that. My dad coming home from the comic store with it. So I always had that, that geeky influence, uh, around me. And so when I went on, <clears throat> um, later, to write and to be creative um, with a lot of family and community encouragement, fortunately, um, which not everybody gets. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I went into things like uh, poetry, short stories, um, some creative nonfiction writing. Um, but even that stuff was always influenced. Uh, in the back of my head was like the kind of D&D nerd stuff and, and the Marvel <laughs> comic stuff, you know. And so um, and DC to a degree, too. But Marvel has always been like kind of the, the, my first home with superheroes um and i held on to that as i wrote this other stuff as i taught classes for instance at university did a lot of different things um and then eventually uh published a novel which was a fantasy novel called throne mm-hmm. of the crescent moon sort of a sword and sorcery novel but with like a middle eastern setting That's cool. and uh <clears throat> based on that and on me talking lots about comics on Twitter uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and some short stories and things, uh, the Marvel editor, Will Moss, came to me. And uh, he's the same guy who brought like Ta-Nehisi Coates onto Black Panther, uh, Eve Ewing onto Ironheart, just like uh, sort of had been doing some reaching out of kind of traditional comic circles to find writers uh, for mm-hmm. some books. And because of the kind of science fiction fantasy background I was coming from, um, he uh, thought of Black Bolt. You know, the Inhumans mm-hmm. have always been kind of this this weird uh, corner of the Marvel universe, uh, more, again, uh, almost <laughs> fantasy or science fictional than, than straight up superhero. And so, yeah, so it was, um, and I think I probably scared him because, you know, he's like, I'm calling for Marvel. Comics. I was like, ah, yes, <laughs> finally. <laughs> you know, so, Excellent. So, let me tell you my ideas. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, uh, and, and of course, uh, you know, you start with all this enthusiasm and then you learn how the business actually works and you guys kind of like bump up against each other with that and, and, and find something in the middle. And, and, you know, the rest was sort of history with that. I've been, cool. that was like 2016, I think I got that call and, and yeah, just been steamrolling forward. Yeah. Since. Yeah. And, something and that you said um, that really interested me is um, the science fiction, or I'm sorry, the fantasy with the Middle Eastern kind of slant. Um, a lot of people that we've been talking to on our podcast, people of color mainly, that have are been fans of fantasy, um, felt really strongly about creating uh, fantasy or science fiction with people of color in it because they were so desperate to see representation when they were growing up. How important was that for you to create something that you could see yourself or maybe like your community within? Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, you know, <clears throat> that was central. Um, that's always been maybe the other kind of big uh, tent pole for me, other than kind of being into genre stuff has been community stuff. You know, I was raised a very strong sense of myself as Arab American, as Muslim American. I unfortunately had that reinforced in negative ways uh, mm-hmm. by a lot of uh, 
living in America over the past couple of decades. I was a young man in my twenties in, in New York and nine 11. Right. And, uh, um, it's, it's always going to leave a mark. It's always going to affect the stories that you want to tell the stories that you see that get ignored, the stories that, you know, are lies that are out there. And so you, you want to, you know, fix that. You want to do better just like yeah. with anything you want to do better, right. As a storyteller, but there's a very particular flavor for those of us who are coming from a, coming from a certain background. And so when I started to publish short stories and, and novels, it was kind of combining those two things, coming to these genres that I love and then inflecting it with the stuff that, that, that uh, you're talking about, Gabe. It's like, uh, um, is Gabe or Gabriel? Is Gabe okay? Either one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to shorten your name. But um, yeah, I, I like I would write a Western, for instance, or a cyberpunk story or something when I was doing prose fiction that um, would have a Muslim or Arab main character or somebody from a different kind of marginalized background. In fact, one of the first short stories I published was a was a sort of DC Marvel satire in prose, not in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, called Dr. Diablo Goes Through the Motions. And it was a, a very short story from the point of view of a, of a supervillain who's at like the big supervillain council meeting, right? And mm-hmm. he's just like, can't stand it. It's boring, you know? <laughs> and uh, and he's a, he's a Chicano guy. He's kind of like thinking about like uh, incarceration because his cousin is locked up. And, and, you know, that was like, there are all sorts of characters in there that are clear analogs for Marvel or DC characters. Um, I wrote a short story that was a clear Batman, you know, tribute short story without, you know, with, with, with the serial numbers filed off. So that stuff's always, um, always inflected my work, but I've always tried to have a kind of social, uh, social or cultural edge to it too. Nice. Nice. I noticed with a lot of your work, uh, reading through it, you tend to take the characters and remove their superpowers so we can find out what kind of humanity they have. And I, I really appreciate that because if you think about it, the characters without is are they superheroes because of their powers or it's just mm-hmm. is it innate to their experience? And I think you deliver that really well. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're kind of giving away my, my tricks because you know, it's definitely <laughs> uh, you're going to see that happen to almost anybody I write because I, I do think. I think it strips them down to like their human self, even if they're a mutant or a, or an mm-hmm. elf or whatever else they are, right? <laughs> um, uh, ultimately, these characters are, are humans for us, android, whatever. Um, they're still human. Um, but I think also like just for dramatic purposes, um, you take a character like Black Bolt, right? Who's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, practically you know, not quite omnipotent on the Marvel scale of things, but certainly like, you know, pretty dang mm-hmm. close and a lot closer than typical Marvel heroes. So what, what's going to threaten this guy, right? You can sort of go with like an arms race of being like, well, this guy's even more powerful. Well, this guy's even more powerful than him, right? But it gets, it just gets you know, it, it loses any weight, right? And so if you instead make him like, you know, oh, somebody punching you in the mouth hurts again, right? Like that's yeah. that's cool to me. That's more interesting mm-hmm. to me uh, to, than and and you can threaten people in a way that you can't otherwise. So yeah, that's that's definitely one of my uh, one of my trademarks, and I will continue to use it. Even though you, you should, <laughs> especially with Black Bolt. I'll just say, um, and it's I'm not giving away any spoilers here for people who haven't read the series yet, but yeah, um, <laughs> with Crusher Creel's funeral. That really hit me. I don't know why. I wasn't expecting that. And it was just such a wonderful, touching moment to see his almost redemption arc in a way. 
um, and how we had Captain America come and speak at his funeral. It was just such a um, very human thing to do. So in the in human book, you added the human element. So I thought that was really cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. I will always. That's another one. Um, if it's a Marvel book, Steve Rogers is probably showing up and giving a speech at some point. <laughs> so if the book goes more than five issues, that's probably going to happen. So you know, there's like uh, there's there's certain touchstones for us. And uh, with with Crusher, it's it's funny. I will just say quickly that that was my that was my crazy when when I when Will Moss called me, I was like, I want to write a Crusher Creel book <laughs> because uh, I, I I'd been in love with that guy since like Secret Wars back in the day, and uh, um, I, you know, he's kind of a lunkhead. Um, working class guy reminds mm-hmm. me of mm-hmm. uncles of mine, for instance, right? That in uh, in a way that he's dealing with thunder gods and aliens, and but he's just he's just this guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I think you need somebody like that beside a character like Black Bolt for Black Bolt to make any sense, right? Yeah, I agree. I wanted to to ask you um, both. Danny and I are, are are geeks that have been really influenced by pop culture, and and we're both Gen X, and I think you're Gen X as well. Um, so, growing up, what were some of the things that influenced you to help to help develop your voice? Um, what comic characters did you really grow up liking? What what movies really helped you, or or not necessarily helped you, but really influenced you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess like maybe. The Ur text for me, uh, you know, we talk about being Gen X is, is probably like Return of the Jedi, right? Like I, um, um, I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater when I was uh, five and I fell asleep. <laughs> so, and then I went to school the next day and all the older kids were like, oh, Darth Vader's Luke's father. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so, uh, uh, but, but Jedi, I was like, you know, fully primed for, ready. Um, and there's a book coming out this year, actually, called uh, From a Certain Point of View. It's an anthology series of prose stories that uh, Star Wars has, has done, and they've done it each year in the 40th anniversary of each film. And so they're doing a, a Return of the Jedi one this year, and I wrote a, a story from the point of view of the, the Rancor oh, nice. Keeper. <laughs> okay. That's always been, always been my guy, right? So that, you know, but... Um, but really, you know, there's there's some film influences. Uh, we just watched a lot of movies back then. But uh, comics, you know, there, there's there's the fantasy stuff. I've spent a lot of time, like, more reading D&D books than actually playing the game a lot. But uh, <laughs> um, a lot of video game influence on my stuff. But, yeah, I you know, Marvel was, like, was really my core, core texts uh, growing up. And, like... Within that, right, that Bronze Age stuff, um, you know, the Claremont X-Men stuff, obviously, uh, Jim Shooter's Secret Wars, I must have probably read 20 times, you know, um, the uh, Miller Daredevil and, and the Nascenti Daredevil. Um, uh, just um, there are a bunch of writers there at Marvel that were just working on different random books in the 80s. Um, Tony Isabella, Tom DeFalco, Bill Matwell, that was like... They were these really wacky, so superhero books to some degree, but they just had these grounded social aspects to them, you know. Um, and and I think that always impacted my idea what superhero stories could be going forward. Cool. And you've written, like I said, introducing you many iconic characters. Um, how walk us through like your process? How do you get into their shoes, and how do you find their voice when you're writing them? Is there a certain? Do you just research the character, what you've been given, or what is that process like for you? Yeah, the the research thing is like um, it, it depends on the character, and 
it's always a dance because it can be overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. um, even with a character like Black Bolt, right? Who's like a fairly obscure character to some degree. Um, the number of, sh of appearances, sheer number of appearances is like, you know, absurd. So like going back now, him, that was my first Marvel Comics gig. You know, I was only writing one comic at the time. Um, Black Bolt's a super kind of, again, pretty obscure character so i was able to go back every time he came up what do we you know and uh but you can't do that with daredevil right? it's which i wish <laughs> will be uh who i'm writing uh first issue dropped september i think yeah and uh you know so so with a character like matt right you're gonna go back revisit the kind of highlights um try and dig into some little weird bits that maybe aren't quite so well remembered by everybody um but you also think about, for me, what does each character need, right? Because uh, it's a very different thing to me writing a book like Miles was um, versus Black Bolt versus uh, Daredevil, right? Because a, a book like Black Bolt, you're really mostly introducing uh, a lesser known character to a wider audience and giving some sort of fun Easter eggs to the to the few weird hardcore fans, right? Those few <laughs> Who always find me at conventions are like, oh, Black Bolt's my favorite. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you, you give a little to those folks, but you're sort of really giving this character a broader exposure, right? Then you have something like Miles, where um, this is a new character, or Kamala was the same deal, right? Where you're the, mm -hmm. I'm, I was the first writer after their creators right. to, to right. work on, them, right? So that to me was about, establishing those characters and giving them like superhero legacy right because i don't think you really you don't really become a, a full-fledged kind of mythic superhero until lots of people have told your story right so after bendis told miles story uh willow had told kamala's story it was like let's let's take them and, and you know make them superheroes by putting them through different kinds of paces right mm -hmm. and that's still a different thing than than daredevil right matt is like there aren't that many new paces to really put him through. He doesn't need to be established in the canon and nobody needs to have it explained who he is. Right. So really what people are looking for when you do that is like, you know, something unique. What are you doing? You know, what's your, what's your take that nobody's done? You know, what's the, what's the, <laughs> what's the unique voice to bring it back to what you were first asking about that you bring to this character. And so you know, each of those is like a different challenge. I love, I love going back and forth from one to the other. And, um, you know, you always hit, hit some and miss some on all of those things. I, I get a sense that not only do you immerse yourself into the world of the character, but that you're also still bringing in current events. How important is it for you to, to include that in your work, the things that are actually happening in our real world and how does that influence your, your comic characters? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I try to have it influence the work, you know, I'm um, not in a sense of like, you know, what's in the headlines today, because that'll always end up being dated. Right. But um, the general trends, unfortunately, of, of politics tend to, you know, um, persist over those few years, right. Mm -hmm. We're in an era of kind of increasing fascism right now. We're in an era right. of kind of uh, increasing just, kind of person-to-person -person violence over the dumbest shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, it's, uh, there are all sorts of the, the world's burning, right? <laughs> um, uh, that stuff's not going away. And so um, you're, you're not being like topical, quote unquote, by 
dealing with it or trendy. You're just kind of speaking to reality to some degree. And even any fantasy has to have some element of reality or else it's, it's kind of useless. It's a, you can't even escape into it if it doesn't have some connection to the real. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, readers, listeners, um, you know, we dealt with this, um, I'm always working in different genres. I was working on a, a Batman Unburied, the audio series for Spotify, uh, which dropped last year. And we've got a, a follow-up called uh, Riddler Secrets in the Dark. It's dropping uh, at some point this year. Um, and, you know, those are both like the Batman stories, the Riddler stories, but they're also stories about like, you know, uh, corruption, you know, about police violence, about... Um, sort of marginalization about money and power, you know? And uh, I think that you have to have some element of that. And in my Miles stories, you know, they're, they're, you're trying to tell a superhero book that's fun for 12 year olds, right? That they can read and enjoy, but you also, you know, Miles is a young black Puerto Rican man, you know, or, or young, there, there's a scene where where uh, Jeff is like, oh, he's a, he's a young black man. And, 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 and Rio's like, he's not a man. He's my baby. You know? So it's like, he's not, he's not he's a kid, you know? And so, um, you know, I, I, but the fact that we put that scene in there, you know, is like, um, it'd be weird not to, uh, to, to just sort of people talk about it. Like it's like a lack of politics. It's apolitical to not talk about that. I just want to have an adventure story, but um, you can't, you're always doing something political. And by not talking about this, you're, you're taking a side. So, you know, you try and do it in a way that's still fun and entertaining and like doesn't people f leave people feeling like they're being preached at, but leaves them feeling like they're seeing something new, you know? Very cool. Very cool. Now, we are a pop culture show. So mm -hmm. with that in mind, what sort of things are you currently reading or watching or you said video games? So are you still playing video games or yeah. what is currently uh, takes up the rest of your time when you're not writing? Well, you know, I've been, um, it's funny because I, I spent many, many years of my life just reading difficult novels and poetry and stuff. And a lot of other years, just like reading a lot of comics, a lot of them re watching, you know, funky movies and stuff. And recently it's been almost exclusively video games in my spare time. It's, it's kind of wild. It's, uh, you know, I'm, a uh, I'm watching, um, catching up on what we do in the shadows because the next season is dropping, you know, and it's like such a good show. It's like, and, and it makes me laugh. Not a lot of things left in the world that make me laugh. So, you know, it's yeah. like, gotta get that in. But, uh, but mostly it's video games. And, uh, so, um, right now I'm playing Slay the Spire, which is like a, uh, card game, like a roguelike thing. But, uh, my, my Yakuza series is like, that's like my, my, uh, okay. At the core of my heart is anything made by <laughs> anything made by Atlas, like Persona games. Um, so the writing in video games in general um, and the storytelling to me is really where some of the, you know, for all my respect for my fellow comics writers, for all the great TV writers I know, I think some of the most exciting writing happening right now in the world is happening in the video games. So um, you know, it keeps, it keeps pulling me back in every time, you know, I pick up a novel. I'm like, I'm just going to do this sub story, this side mission. <laughs> I agree. You know, I hours later. <laughs> so, I'm currently playing Diablo four and I have a couple novels I need to read. So it's like, ah, oh. <laughs> so I never played the original Diablos, but, um, I, my kid and I 
got four just to like have something to to like whatever play mindlessly uh mm-hmm. during summertime and yeah it's a it's a time suck yeah it is. <laughs> like it's like a it's an alternate mind state <laughs> you're just sort of like what, what it's like being in a casino when they don't want you to know what time it is <laughs> look up and it's been six hours later but that uh, it's, is true it's fun. So you've touched upon um your got your perspective on daredevil and uh, can you give us a hint as to what's to come um i know you obviously mm. probably can't share a lot but um is there you know some some little bit of a hint that you could or a tease that you could give us and in, in our listeners well um i can say that you know anybody who's been uh keeping up with chips run knows that um matt's in a a, a kind of wild place right mm-hmm. now um and mm-hmm. so <laughs> Uh, there's certainly like a big question, like how the hell is, you know, what, what the hell is Santi Nami going to do come September? Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and I'm not going to give much at all away, really. Um, we've even written the solicits uh, for this book. It's kind of an uphill battle. It's kind of uh, like tilting at windmills, but we're really trying to preserve some uh, big surprises. I'm not a big, like, ooh, big reveal, ooh, big shock writer, you know, um, but with this book, We've got we've got some some pretty wild stuff built in, some a wild premise, some crazy things that happen, some cool Marvel characters getting pulled in from uh, from various places. So we've been doing our best to not tip our hand too much. But I will say that, um, you know, we've sort of taken the, the Daredevil more than maybe any other book at Marvel has this heritage of the creators connecting and of the uh of, of of matt getting left in a crazy position by the previous writer right and so um chip and i were quite aware of that we had a great opportunity to like touch base with each other about where this was gonna go and and, and chip was kind of like is this too wild where he ends up and i was like no that fits perfectly with what i want <laughs> so it was just it, it was it was really nice synchronicity so i think people will be pleasantly surprised hopefully um come september you answered my question is how much you and Chip communicated and like the handoff. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to September Daredevil. Um, I already have it on my pull list and everyone else out there. You should as well. Um, also, September, you have um, Spine Tingling Spider-Man coming out in print a uh, print version. I just finished reading that in the Marvel Unlimited app. And that's really fun. That was yeah, really I'm exciting. really excited about that because uh, Juan Ferreira is like, just a genius artist and uh um you know not everybody reads digitally i get it you know um, mm-hmm. we did this so spine tingling spider-man was like basically i went to marvel like i have a horror pitch for peter parker and um uh because i'm also you know when you talk about pop culture i'm a horror movie nerd and so um i had a pitch for them they were like this is a great idea we're working on this unlimited stuff um the digital comics where it's a scrolling platform you think this could fit with that and uh and it actually it fit, it fit great oh, yeah. the idea fit great but then juan's execution oh, my uh, goodness, the, yes. incorporating the vertical scroll mm-hmm. was just brilliant he didn't phone anything in everything was like just dialed to 11 and the crazy part is as he was working on it he's like i'm also working on how these pages will translate to print like he was oh, thinking cool. about time is working on it if you know if we get it into print and so now you know come whatever uh, a year later um and marvel's like yeah we're going to a big oversized uh print i think they're calling it a number zero and uh it's gonna be like 80 pages or some some crazy i'm don't quote me on that but it's some it's some <laughs> size format and it's just 
you know, I think I wrote a cool story. I brought in all the like scary stuff that I like putting Peter through some grueling paces, mm-hmm. um, getting, getting a little more grisly in some ways than we sometimes get in Spider-Man stories, especially as coming from miles Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> but, uh, for all my, you know, fairly decent writing that I'm pretty proud of Juan is like the star of this book. It's, I really, you know, I know I'm, self-interested here but i really I, he deserved the eisner for the work he did on that book it's so mind-blowing some of the best mm. spider-man stuff i've seen in, in years so i think if you care at all about like cool takes on on peter and visual takes like just just at least pick it up and thumb through it and you'll probably want to take it home yeah there are some cool scenes just seeing it through on the on my ipad it's just just very cinematic and just very mind blowing. There's like one where he's just crouched on a perch and it's just like, wow. Yeah. So yeah, yeah completely agree. So um, one of my, my last questions here for you was um, a lot of creators uh, like to be involved with their fans. So some kind of step away from the interaction. Um, where do you fall? Do you like being on social media or are you on social media where uh, fans of your work can kind of have open dialogue with you? Um, so it's it's funny you ask that because I'm I'm sort of in the midst of backing off of that. I think we had um, I mean I've always been somebody who loved interacting with folks online. Um, I've you know found a lot of my community there. I found a lot of friendship there. I found uh, connecting with readers there has just been like like nothing else. Um, but it does uh, it does feel a little like. The times are a changing a little bit right now in terms mm-hmm. of um, being able to do that in a in a way that doesn't feel gross <laughs> and manipulative, <laughs> and just like with a lot of static around, so that it doesn't just it's not that that fun conversation it used to be. So, for yeah. me, um, you know, I'll probably continue to maintain a, a bare presence on social media, but um, I'm, I'm I'm definitely this year in particular kind of made a con- concerted effort and will continue even more radically to kind of like get off that stuff but to me the compensation for that has been getting back into seeing people in person um Mm -hmm. you know i've done a lot of local signings uh, at my local shops here around detroit uh recently and it's just been great and then i did c2e2 in chicago uh this summer uh planning to do new york comic-con in the fall um and it's just it's been so good to see people in person again it just like hear their voices, see the costumes and <laughs> you know, people bringing their kids. Like I, I, um, <clears throat> that's where I'm going for my juice mostly from now on, I guess. That's cool. That's cool. Or, or they can come here to our podcast. Yes, actually, show. no, I, w- I was just going to say, yeah, podcasts are the other thing is like, I've started, you know, for a long time, I was just like kind of not dealing with interviews and I've started to do that again too, because it's, it's just to do this, to just sit with a couple of people who love this stuff and talk it through is just a different thing than to be dealing with all that noise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Well, we appreciate projects that, that we know that are coming out, both Daredevil and Spider-Man. Um, what else can, can our <clears throat> look forward to of your work coming out? Um, you know, there's always stuff cooking. Uh, one of the big things uh, I've been working on recently is a, uh, uh, building a relationship with image and, uh, I've got a couple books with them, um, Star Signs, which I've co-created with Megan Levins, the artist, and Terror War, which I co-created with uh, Dave Acosta. They're very different books, uh, but both number ones dropped uh, this spring, and uh, oh, okay. they're both like, just a few issues in. Um, Star Signs is a book about uh, 
sort of superhero inflected, a little bit of early X-Men, a little bit of uh, heroes, a little bit of uh, um, stuff like that. But it's uh, it's about the stars of the constellations of the Zodiac falling to Earth and giving people superpowers and then all the crazy stuff that happens after that. And then uh, Terror War is a futuristic comic, uh, sort of sci-fi horror comic. Again, looking at our, our pop culture influences, it's kind of like a little Blade Runner, a little Aliens, a little oh, nice. Ghostbusters even. And uh, <clears throat> it's about basically monster hunters in the, in the future, in a, in a kind of cyberpunk city. So that Sounds like a video game. I like it. <laughs> i have to pick that up. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate getting to know a little bit more about you, the writer, um, what your work is, where your influences come from. And so, yeah, thank you so much, Saladin. We really appreciate it. Thank you both. Appreciate it. It's a great great discussion. Appreciate you both. Well, thank you once again for joining us here at the pod uh, at our podcast. It was a, a great conversation that we had. Um, great to learn more um, about you as an author and to give our listeners um, a chance to get to to know you a little bit more, uh, Saladin. So, uh, very much uh, grateful uh, for you taking the time to join us on our podcast. Um, any uh, closing thoughts, Danny? Um, I just think it was really great, especially that you asked about current events and how he incorporates into his writing. And um, his answer was perfect in how he's looking at the trends. And he really does bring that in into all of his writing. So out there, if you're out there, go pick up, go put in your comic book store for the latest Daredevil that's coming out in September. Also pick up the Spine Tingling Spider-Man. And if you have a chance, go read it on the uh, Marvel Unlimited app. It's really great. It's read it I, now. I can't get it into the the print version. I, I I do read a lot of stuff on digital format, um, but there's something about the physical copies. Oh, yeah, of course, still obviously as I'm surrounded by, <laughs> um, I, there's something about the physical copies that I still love um, to be able to hold them in and read it. So that I will be definitely be picking up on um, both of those uh, runs in September. Right on. Well, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for liking, sharing, subscribing. Uh, Be sure to share it out there with all your friends. Um, Let them know where you can find the interview at for Saladin Ahmed. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Stay safe.